Hello, and welcome to Real Life with Pamela Lau. I'm excited to continue the series with you as I read aloud parts of the third book that I have written. Um, just so you know, this book is not yet published. It's one of the reasons why I am reading it aloud. But before I talk about our guest and where we're heading with this podcast, I want to invite you, ask you, as you know, as a podcaster, as a communicator, we really rely on other people sharing our work. And for me right now, this is my work. This is my art. This is my craft. And if you have someone in your life who struggles with or battles with um, anxiety, with depression, with panic, maybe just uh, uh, social anxiety, or even just a fear of the day, in light of everything we're facing, I mean, who isn't experiencing that? But for some people, it is debilitating. I want to ask that you would consider sharing this particular episode with them. Um, Because in today's podcast, first part, when I read what's going on with my main character and what happens behind the scenes in the spiritual realm between the voice of love and the voice of the enemy, we are finding out that it is, that is one of the ways the enemy is getting to us is by working on the inside of us by allowing us to go further than we should in our anxiety and in our panic. But God all the while is right there with us. And it's something that I want to have more open conversation with, with people who really battle with these things because it's so real. So would you consider sharing that with someone you know who would be uh, encouraged, who would hear the truth about what's happening? And then second, as we're moving on in this series, I also want to invite you as you're listening to the main character and and what he's struggling with, and as you listen to what's happening behind the scenes, um, I just ask that you would take some time in your day and think about the fact that the kingdom of God is within us. And how is the kingdom of God within you? How are how is the light of the world um, winning what's going on inside of your life? And so please know um, that that is what is at the heart of this book. And then finally, my guest today is my beloved Annalise Lau, and she is my daughter. And I am so excited for you to hear her talk from a deep place of when she experienced some spiritual battles. So welcome to Real Life with Pamela Lau. Chapter 3. David slid his chair back and stood, offering a side man-hug to Ben. Thanks for meeting me today, Ben. I just needed coffee rather than a workout. It's all good. We needed a rest day. After all, that half marathon we are aiming for is still three months away. How's the fam? Kids seem to be doing okay, you know, busy with school and soccer. Things with Amy continue to be a struggle. It's like we forgot who we were together. Like I forgot who I am with her. It's become an I versus we. What about you guys? Buddy, I'm always up for talking personally with you about my life, but something tells me you had something else on your mind today. David shifted in his seat, looked down at his flat white, and took a risk. Ben, I cannot shake that phone call from the other day. It's troubling me to the point I was awake all night. Because you realized you aren't the same guy you were back in college? Who of us is still that idealistic? It's more than that, David swallowed hard took a deep breath and said, Ben, if I were to be completely honest, all that call did was open me up to how I really see myself. I know I look like I have it all, but 
On the inside, something miserable is eating me alive. The confusing voices battling inside my head are keeping me from knowing what I want and who I am. Sure, I understand. We all feel that way from time to time, but all the mayor asked you is if you're still the same man of bold faith now that you were then. Even if you aren't, has a lack of faith held you back in living your life? Am I, am I missing something? There's one thing the mayor told me that keeps repeating itself in my mind. He told me my faith changed him, inspired him to stay in his job longer. It wasn't idealism he saw in my life, Ben. What he saw was something I genuinely believed. Honestly, over the past eight years, I've had days when I wasn't in my right mind, let alone having faith. Ben raised his eyebrows and listened in silence for a moment. For a split second, David wondered if he would tell him he was mentally unstable. What Ben said next resonated in a place deep inside David that he didn't even know existed. Have you ever heard of a woman named Diane Edison? Ben pulled out his phone to text his sister-in-law who meets with Diane on a monthly basis. She's a fantastic listener. All I know is she, I hear she's really wise, gives meaningful advice. I, I think you should reach out to her. Before David walked out of the coffee shop, he had already sent a text to Diane Edison. If he was going to continue sitting in this darkness, he certainly didn't want to sit alone. He already knew the first question he would ask her. Chapter 4 Voice of Destruction Want to know where I've been? Voice of Love I see David has your attention once again, but I know the way he will take. I just look at my book of days to see how David's days are fashioned, and I go from there. Voice of Destruction He's further off the path from you than I had hoped. In the dark of the night, he tossed and turned, keenly aware of his brokenness. I have to admit, that phone call out of the nowhere was your clever ploy to remind David of how he is failure personified. Voice of Love I reject your accusations. You seem to forget I have specifically chosen David for myself. It's true that David turned away from my love and my pursuit of him. It's also true that his self-perception is distorted because of your many destructive voices early on in his faith journey. You just cannot see the bigger picture like I can. Voice of Destruction who cares about the bigger picture when I can distort David's inner life? Just the voice of shame shifted his perception of himself as a husband when he and his wife gave one another the silent treatment at last week's soccer game. The best was when I showcased the couple sitting right behind them who appeared happy. Within five seconds, David compared his relationship with his wife to them and bam, his thoughts followed the exact trail I created voice of love. In spite of the separations you describe, my entire being waits with longing for one glance from David, one cry from his heart, one raise of a hand, one turning of his head. I will not miss any opportunity just to talk with him once again. Even while he feels wretched and decides I don't exist the way he thought I did before, my voice sings, live, live David. Chapter 5. David's GPS said it would take 21 minutes from his house to where Diane Edison wanted to meet, a small outdoor seating area next to a lake with a park. 
He knew the area and thought it was a public enough area to meet with someone who he hadn't met before yet private enough to talk candidly. Exactly 25 minutes later, David was seated, facing a woman with a warm yet serious presence about her. Smaller than he'd imagined, Diane wore enough makeup to highlight her fine features and kept her hair swept behind her neck. A colorful blue scarf made her eyes pop, and when she smiled at David, he sensed something different in this woman. I appreciate you telling me more about yourself through our texts, David, and since our time is limited, why don't you share what's troubling you before you have to leave for work? Before I say too much, I need to ask you a kind of difficult question. I used to believe in God a long time ago. I, I gave faith a chance, but it didn't work for me. In fact, I haven't stepped foot inside a church building in years, and I have zero desire to do so. I wanted to make it clear that I want nothing to do with church religion. So are you still willing to talk with me through something that happened recently? I mean, I just want to explore what's going on and why I feel so uprooted suddenly. The moment he said those words, a feeling of loneliness welled up inside David unlike anything he'd experienced before. Nervous that this observant and knowing woman could see, he looked down, avoiding eye contact. What do you mean by feeling uprooted? Were things going well for you before this happened? If by things going well you mean my job, then sort of, yes, things were going well before. To be honest, for years I have felt oppressed on the inside, like a darkness flooded my soul. Uh, you know, actually in the last year, really flooded my soul. In the early days, I begged God to help me, but after a while, I stopped asking. Was there an event that coincided with this sudden darkness, something that you did or someone did to you? David gathered his thoughts for a moment before he spoke. Well, a few years ago, my business partner left me high and dry days before a merger that would set us up for life. We'd worked for months to get to that point, and literally one day he just stopped taking my calls, walked out on all our plans, never gave an explanation. But that was my business life, not my spiritual life. And how did you respond? I moved on without him. Let me ask you another way. How did you feel on the inside? Inside? Even after all these months, David could hardly reflect back without the pain winding through his veins. He decided to tell her the truth. I hated myself, and sometimes I still do. I replay our final conversations over and over in my mind. How self-centered I was to have missed the clues. That's when I knew I failed. I'd be sitting in a meeting feeling like the impersonator at the table, wondering if anyone else could see I was a fake. Not really the competent person I portrayed myself to be. David's words hung above him like smoke. He could almost smell the burning embers of the hell he lived with inside all these weeks. David, we are all on our own spiritual journey toward wholeness. The question isn't if I'm willing to talk with you. Anytime we find ourselves seeking something beyond what we are doing and living, we need to pay attention to what's happening to us spiritually, no matter in who or in what you believe. Do you agree with that? Without warning, David quickly stood up, looking for a way to exit. 
I don't want to give you the wrong impression. Based on some of the decisions I've made in the past and because of who I am and what I identify with, I cannot pursue a relationship with God. I just wanted to talk. David, I'm willing to join you as a guide. But the question I need to ask, you may or may not be prepared to answer today. David's body relaxed a bit as he liked the way Diane was direct with him without crossing personal boundaries. His heart beat faster, wondering if he was prepared to hear her question since he'd been so open with her. From one of your texts, I got the sense you're being invited to an identity journey. It's an invitation for another kind of spiritual exploration. The question is, are you willing to say yes to this invitation? Turning to leave, David mumbled something to himself without saying goodbye. Diane thought she heard him say, I just can't have one more expectation placed upon me right now. Chapter 6 Voice of Destruction One of my favorite tactics is messing with one of your creatures like the moment they open their eyes in the mornings. I play songs on their weaknesses, hitting each minor key twice, holding it down until they feel defeated. And all this before the day begins. It's exactly what happened with David for a full year after I convinced his business partner to abandon him. Like I said, it was easy. Set his course for a good 12 months or two. Voice of Love You have a short memory. On the day David met with a group of investors to merge his business with them, I interfered with your plans to destroy David completely. It's true that his partner bailed on him. You enticed his partner to make a terrible choice, a choice he made in his own free will. But you did not have the last word. I did. Voice of Destruction You heard what David confessed to that sappy, mystical woman yesterday. He hated himself. I'm the one who sent a spirit of disapproval to him. I'm the one who tortured him internally and relentlessly for days on end for losing his partner. He knows himself as only one thing, a failure. Even better that you intervened as you did. The merger without his partner only heaped on more guilt. His conscience is like a playground for my games. Voice of Love what actually happened was David began begging me for help the moment he realized the merger was going to happen without the support of his partner. Immediately, I came to his rescue and blocked your demons from destroying the bigger picture, the merger. The evil spirits you organized had no power in the room that day. They obeyed me. Voice of Destruction What is it you want, God of the Most High? Voice of Love. My highest hope is for David to see the faith I planted in him is where his truest identity lies. He is indeed on an identity journey, but that's only so far he can travel without me. There's only so far he can travel without me. There's a point where he cannot have the most authentic image of himself without my view of him. The way for David to avoid the poison of self-hatred is when he looks at himself as I do. Voice of Destruction And my highest goal is to destroy any faith the moment a seed is planted by reminding him day in and day out that he's got this, that he's absolutely fine on his own. 
Welcome to Real Life with Pamela Lau. Today, I have an extraordinary guest. Her name is Annalise Lau, and yes, she is my daughter. Annalise, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. <laughs> I wish you could see, be in the in the room with me to see what my daughter and I, she's as blonde as I am dark haired. <laughs> and I will tell you, there's so many extraordinary things about her, but I'm going to let her tell you what she is doing right now in her life. Um, Annalise, why don't you just introduce yourself for a minute? All right. Yeah. So I graduated from undergraduate at Azusa Pacific University last spring and currently... With which degree? Uh, Bachelor's of Science, Allied Health major. Okay. Um, and I'm currently working as a medical assistant and medical scribe at a private practice primary care facility. Um, and now I'm a, just applied to PA school, so I'm just waiting to hear on all of those. So did you always know you wanted to pursue medical field? Well, we have that like picture of me in like a doctor's, <laughs> you know, true. outfit taking Michaela's heart rate or whatever. How old were you um, in that picture? Like four or something. Oh I was really young. So, yeah, it's cliche to say that I always wanted to go into medical, but I kind of always had a heart for it. Um, but there were just steps along the way that confirmed that for me. Well, let me just say that we're going to have a really good talk right now, but if you ever want to listen to some funny stories about Annalise as a little girl, I've posted a few of those on my Facebook page. Uh, She was a very precocious child, and she's still proving uh, to be someone who is full of creativity and ideas, not just science. You've got some some artsy in you, little, don't you think? Yeah. So, Annalise, uh, I want to talk about the part of the parable with you uh, where there is an exchange between the voice of the enemy and the voice of God. And in this, in this part that we just heard, um, you know, it sounds like to me, the way that I'm like reading when I go back and forth, it sounds like to me that both are pursuing us, uh, both voices, both the voice of the enemy and the voice of God. And so I wanted to talk about today um, some of the things that when you were a young child, you you loved, loved going to church and reading scripture. Um, I have vivid memory of you. I don't know if you remember this, but, you know, when you would preach, <laughs> right? Yeah, we have videos. <laughs> Joshua remember? 1-9 was my jam. Yeah, it was. And, you know, you memorized things really easily. And early on, um, you were a child of really great faith. But I remember a season in middle school where you shared with me a time when you said you heard a different voice in your head. Do you remember that? Yeah, I would say that a lot of that had to, like, I was just very aware of the spiritual realm, I guess. I don't know, it sounds weird to say that I would hear voices, but they're like, especially through like my dreams. I would have a lot of very vivid dreams. Like there's this one that I remember so clearly of when, I think I told you about this one, when I um, was like walking in a forest and I was in a crowd, but I was kind of like back in the crowd and like all of a sudden there was this big bush in front of me and like out of the bush came this like angel of darkness and then all of a sudden flashed, it flashed to a different scene of me like inside of like this tree being like cradled by an angel of darkness with its hand over my mouth 
and it was just and all that he said was like and lastly no one can hear you and like I watched everybody else like walk away and so I was just like very aware of those sorts of things I guess I do remember that I do remember and do you so what grade do you think you were when that happened it was middle school sometime I just don't like maybe sixth or seventh grade um that's just one of quite a few (laughs) yeah but and there were there were other times that you would tell me about the uh, yeah, other dreams yeah. and other things. Do you remember anything else? Like specific, I remember telling you, but I don't remember specifically exactly what it was. I I remember asking you how to distinguish between the voices, I guess, mm-hmm. which one to listen to. <laughs> and I I have to ask you this because I don't remember. But did as parents did we take it seriously? Yes. I th- I think you took because you're Pam and you're you know you <laughs> yeah. love this this spiritual realm stuff like yeah. of course you but I think that I don't I don't remember us like diving deep into it right really. yeah which, which in yeah. some ways I mean we we were pretty like matter of fact yeah I was it. very matter of fact about it how to you know navigate it so I know you were pretty young but how did that particularly affect your faith. Or did it not? No, it definitely affected my faith. I mean, so like in your parable, it's the voice of destruction and the voice of love going back and forth, right? And like you said, they're both pursuing you. So, you know, destruction and love are both pursuing me. They're both pursuing you. They're both pursuing everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all about who you listen to and how you discern who to listen to. Because sometimes maybe the voice of destruction's words sound more desirable because it's what you want in the world and like... You know, Mm. it's kind of, oh, yeah, like, I would like that. Like, I'll go towards that. But it's not actually what's best for you as a person. Um, So it definitely helped me in my faith because it helped me learn. I might think this path is right for me, but, like, God ultimately knows what path is right for me. So it helped me discern which one to, like, follow. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And that's pretty profound for someone who's in middle school. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, let's let's go forward a little bit into high school. Yeah. So, I remember that you you played sports, you were mm-hmm. a very avid soccer and basketball player, but then your sophomore year of high school, you uh, tried out and joined the worship team in your mm-hmm. high school. Mm-hmm. And do you remember the the events surrounding what happened because I I I have some recollection, mm-hmm. but I'd like you to share the story. Yeah, so I joined the worship band at my small private high school. I was playing the guitar, the electric guitar. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was cheetah. And it, it was, was a pretty, pretty cute, cute. It was a cute guitar. electric guitar. <laughs> That's true. Um, but I, at the beginning in like September, October, everything was fine. I was like, you know, playing for the chapels. We would go to the elementary school and play for them. Everything mm-hmm. was fine. It was mm-hmm. great. And then all of a sudden, in like November, I think it was. I remember so clearly this one chapel. I went on, I started playing, and all of a sudden I just felt like this type of sickness that I've never felt ever before. Like, I didn't get sick often. Mm. I just felt so nauseated, and I literally felt like I was going to pass out, and I've never felt that way before. So I just set my guitar down, and I walked off the back of the stage because I was like, I cannot be up here. And then I just sat out, went, I remember I like went to the bathroom and started crying because I was like, oh my gosh, like what did I just do? But then I tried it again, and the next time it, like, happened again, I just felt I, like, couldn't be up there and really felt like it was, like, a spiritual attack of some sort because um, 
I don't know, just the feeling, like it just reminded me of what I was feeling in middle school, I guess. And um, yeah. Well, and I remember just, my listeners might be wondering, well, how on earth, Pam, did you handle Mm -hmm. that? But I remember when Mrs. Moyer called me Mm -hmm. and she put me on the phone with you. Mm Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, what is going on? This is my, you know, capable, confident daughter. What is going on? And I believe that you were the one who said to me later on, Mom, I really think this is like a spiritual attack. Yeah, yeah. And so... And it was in kind of a vulnerable state, too, because it was during that time that, like, my grandma was was declining and she passed away shortly Mm -hmm. after and, like, other personal things were happening so I was already vulnerable mm-hmm. and that's kind of when the you know voice of destruction or when you know Satan really can get a hold of someone and try to weaken their hold on God well and I'm so thankful and I praise God that you that he didn't mm-hmm. right so for people listening who know exactly what you're talking about and who deal with this in their own private and personal lives how on earth did you get out of such a dark time I would say what really got me out of that was my wise and older like mentors that I pursued and who pursued me. Just people. Were you who... honest with people about what you were feeling? Right when it was happening, not really, because um, it was almost kind of I don't know, not like embarrassing, but well, just sure. not something I mean, you want to just bring to up that? to yeah. someone. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I'm experiencing spiritual warfare. <laughs> right. Please, you know, help me. But there were people who I felt like I could trust over time who I would open up to about those things. And I think that those people who were strong Christians, wise, but not like judgmental people. Are they hard to um, find? They are hard, very hard to find. I mean, you tell someone something and you don't know if they're going to go tell other people or right. what they're really thinking. But these, But you can tell when someone's being genuine, typically. I mean, that was what really brought me out. Um scripture definitely and also just knowing that when you keep your strong faith in god satan can't t- like god wins you know mm. like an endurance yeah like endurance kept like i kept my Jesus. eyes yeah mm, and like i don't really 12. and then my my mentors and stuff they're the ones who and like my parents you know mm-hmm. they're the ones who helped me maintain that stronghold because it's so much hard it's so much easier said than done to mm-hmm. like oh just like keep pursuing god but then like when you're going through those dark places it's god like i don't see you i'm just gonna mm-hmm. turn away so it's not just it's not just keeping endurance and having eyes on god but it's like a bunch of factors so let me ask you this were your peers encouraging about that I mean, because think about, does everyone in high school and junior high have, in college, do they have their their friends telling them to keep their eyes on God? No, no. I would say that I didn't feel encouraged by peers um, during that time. Part of my spiritual warfare that I was experiencing on the stage was because of like the judgmental society that we mm. have. And, um, and I just think that like my peers were almost wrapped up in their own lives or in mm-hmm. other things going on to really like ask about it yeah. and I had like great friends but I mean as a sophomore in high school who's gonna really right fully pay attention right. to what's going on in someone else's it life. almost sounds like what you're saying is that there's there's this depth of life going on whether mm-hmm. it's darkness versus light you know God and the enemy pursuing but the world that we live in the communities we live in are so shallow oh yeah yeah 
And, I mean, and you needed more than that. Yeah. Those were the periods where people, like, you just didn't know someone's faith. Right. You know, you didn't know if someone yeah. was just posting that beautiful picture of, you know, the notebook mm-hmm. set up with their nice coffee next to it and their Bible. Like, you didn't know if that if they were actually doing devotions or if they just set it up or you didn't know if people, you know, why were people worshiping in chapel like crazy and then outside of the chapel doors just living by worldly desires, you know? Yeah, and what was indication of that? Being on stage and seeing it, I mean. <laughs> yeah, you saw it. Yeah. You saw the, you saw the hypocrisy. Right, Which right. we know is everywhere. Right, totally, totally. But I really, I really think this is such a, um, an important message that you're trying to say, that it's not a game. No. Uh-uh. Faith is not a game. No, and it's not easy. No. But what I want you to talk about for just a little bit here is, what are your observations of why so many of your own, and I don't want to act like it's just your generation, by no, the way. No, no. I see it in my own. Totally. But... But for some reason, there does seem to be a little bit more of a popular pull toward walking away from Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Would you say that that is your observation? Or would you say you... We'll talk about that first, and then I'll ask you my next question. Well, I would say that who you hang out with and who you surround yourself with plays a huge role in whether or not you walk away from your faith. I mean, doesn't matter who your parents are or who yeah. you hang out with friends probably at least in my experience mm-hmm. I you know you hang out with friends more than you do your parents your parents may be at work all day or at home and you're out like it's all about who you surround yourself with so if you surround yourself with people who are just especially in those adolescent ages when you're mm-hmm. growing older like when you're in when you've already kind of established yourself and grown and wisdom and knowledge and stuff I think that the more you're expansive your group is it's fine but when those younger years like who you surround yourself with plays a huge role in whether or not you walk away from your faith and also like with having mentors to really question the faith like it's okay to question it you don't need to have all the answers it's not easy well and I want to just um, add here that I can testified that Annalise really did pursue mentors right um, she you can't wait for them to come right, to you necessarily right. because some people don't know that you are seeking that that's right so I for anyone who's listening I would say that's a that's a must mm-hmm. and they're not easy to find but no. but there are programs that help you find them there yeah. are but but in particularly um, she looked out in our community mm-hmm. and found mm-hmm. some really incredible ones but then talk a little bit about um, the ones who are strong, like the one, like what are the character qualities of your peers who you would say they encourage me in my faith or they are an encouragement to the, to faith? I would say the ones who actively live like God wants them to. I I mean, maybe they have integrity. They don't do one thing and say the other. Right, right. Like, that's definitely a character quality. Someone who listens but also shares. Mm -hmm. I think that's important. Someone who's willing to discuss instead of just argue about (laughs) it, you know, having a discussion. Um, People who have a wide variety of um, a community, not someone who just with, like, one person. And that's still great. That's great if you, you know, but I think that, um, as you get more mature in your faith, you need to expand your group to kind of search, okay, why do I believe what I believe? Mm. Not just, yeah, I believe this. Why do you believe That's it? That's good. 
All right, so for my last question for you today, what advice do you have for your people your age uh, when they hear the oppositional, when they hear depressive or violent or despairing voices in their heads? What advice do you have for them? Kind of what I've been saying is seek out someone to talk to about it because people don't know. That's people, a good point. they can't. I mean, I'm kind of notorious for acting like everything's fine all the time. <laughs> that's true. Um, but, but that's part of your personality. That's part of my personality. People don't know if you're experiencing like spiritual warfare necessarily or anything like that unless you tell them. I mean, as cool as it would be to read people's minds, we just <laughs> no, we don't can. have that ability unless you're someone who really shows it on your face. But so that's definitely something um, just like asking questions because Christianity is not easy, but and there it's not just like flowers once you become mature in it. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, becoming a doctor isn't easy. And once you become a doctor, people could still sue you and stuff. It's that's not true. But you don't arrive. You don't right? arrive. Yeah. Right. But it's definitely still very fulfilling. And I mean, that's a bad analogy or comparison, but you know, you get the point. Yeah. It's, it's asking questions is part of Christianity. You're not meant to know all the answers. Yeah. Well, of course not. And you also, if I remember, you have a one of the women who you met through APU who you pray with. Mm-hmm. Weekly. Uh, weekly. And I think that's... That's important. That's amazing. Too. I mean, prayer. Mm-hmm. And she's only like a couple years older than me. So like mm-hmm. mentors don't have to be... 50 something sorry (laughs) but like you know she's only a couple years older than me so it's like fun because we're still kind of but she's also married and so we're in the same stage of life but we're also in different stages of life Mm -hmm. she's gone through a lot more but also like we've gone through similar things Mm -hmm. so it's yeah it's um that's really awesome just having and even if we even just having her to like talk to weekly and debrief with and you know pray for each other that's that's you great. Know, that's, support. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Keeps the enemy's voice at bay. Well, right, right. You know, you just can't let him give him the opportunity to come in. So as we wrap this up, would you say uh, that what is your foundational scripture? Like what is your go-to scripture right now? What scripture passage is speaking to you? Yeah. I would say it's kind of a random passage, but it's John thirteen seven. It says... You don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will understand. I think it's because I'm, I like to, I'm like, I question a lot. I'm like, okay, God, like, why did you let this happen? Or like, why won't you let this happen? So like that verse just keeps reminding me that, you know, like I said, I don't need to know all the answers. You know, God knows all the answers and just to trust him. Yeah. Mm, to trust him because mm-hmm. we don't need to know it all. No. So even in the midst of the oppositional voices, uh-huh. you trust him. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great place to end. There we go. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. You did a great job.